mindfulness mode. Find different techniques that you feel could resonate with you. And once you try something and it feels good, stick with it. Hey, Mindful Tribe, Bruce Langford here. I'm excited to be here once more for a brand new episode. And I often do shout outs and I just want to shout out to a special group of people that I was with today. And it's just awesome to get a chance to be into the schools, like I've mentioned before on the show. And I was with a group today and they'll know who they are, MVP class. It's awesome to be with you guys. It was really amazing amazing to have have time with you today and to uh, just share a little bit about what I do. And so anyway, I have to tell you that today I'm with a very interesting couple. My two guests today are co-conspirators in everything. And there's a heavy emphasis here on spirit and I'm sure on consciousness. They've been discovering these things, they've been dis- exploring these things since the very day they met, and they've been so heavily influenced by poetry, paintings, photography, film, and as a result, they founded a magazine called Riot Material Magazine, and it's now a thriving and widely read literary cultural magazine. I'm here today with Sivan Hassett, and Rachel Reed Wilkie. Welcome to the show, both of you. And Sivan Hassett, what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, mindfulness means to me just being present right here, right now with you, with my relationship with all things, with Rachel, with my dogs. Mindfulness is just being conscious, particularly conscious, meaning not only present with myself and in the moment, but present of who I'm with and how they're experiencing the world and just observing the interplay between myself and all things. And Rachel, how about you? What does mindfulness mean to you? Well, very similar in the fact that um, I believe that mindfulness is is how you are in that present moment. Um, And I think that we can um, bring awareness to our own mindfulness in that present moment. So um, it's it's for me, it's also something to do with the speed at which we live our life. And I do believe that if we take a slightly slower pace to our life, we are able to imbue mindfulness in every single thing we say, do, and how we react and how we are interacting with others around us. Well, I'm fascinated to talk to you because I know that you both study Zhou Chen and C. Von Hassa. You have studied this for a long time. Would you mind sharing with us how you got into this and what it means to you? Well, I mean, I think like everybody uh, coming into this world, you know, I was just fraught with anxiety and fear and confusion. um, And I just felt surely there must be a way to get through that, you know, like, you know, humanity in all of its teeming populace, uh, they're right there in front of you all the time. And you're engaged with, with so many people, family and friends and strangers. And um, it was difficult. So I, I was always searching for some sort of meaning and some, some answers and, you know, looking at native American literature and, and trying to understand their relationship to the earth and to spirit. Um, 
was very helpful at a young age. And somehow I stumbled on the Buddhist teachings, which very quickly led me to Dzogchen teachings. Um, right at the time I needed it most, I was, you know, uh, becoming a father at the time and also shifting careers from, you know, working out, you know, doing odd jobs to becoming a literary uh, a teacher. Um, and so it was a very, very confusing time also, you know, because I didn't know where I was heading in this life and becoming a father is, is something pretty major. And I wanted to be a, a, a great father, someone who can just be there for my children. And Dzogchen really set me on the right path for, to, for being mindful, for being aware of, of everything that was happening in the house and in their lives, and in particularly in my life, so I can really be you know, an upright person. So Dzogchen was there for, for uh, that, that started roughly in the 90s. And Rachel, you left England at the age of 21 to pursue a life of fashion in Italy. So what happened that you aren't in Italy now? <laughs> I've been on a slight vagabond nomadic journey. Um, but yes, um, I, um, I did have the privilege of growing up in the English countryside of Cambridgeshire. So I had what many would consider to be an idyllic childhood and I was very connected to nature. So I was one of those little dirty children that ran around barefoot and um, rode bareback horses. And, and, and I just, I was free and I felt very connected to spirit as a young child without being able to fully comprehend and fully understand what that meant other than the fact that nature was my my truest spirit guide um, through my childhood but you know like many young girls um, who grow up in an isolated little community in the countryside I dreamt of this glamorous world in fashion <laughs> so at the age of 21 I left to pursue a career in fashion and and with around the same time, just maybe a little bit before, I began writing poetry. And um, I know many people keep journals, and I think that's a really beautiful way, a cathartic process to document their, um, their feelings and their emotions and their relationship with their world around them, and of course, their internal journey. And so I took with me my little black notebook, and that traveled and became many black notebooks. And, and poetry became my outlet, where I was able to continue to tap into that um, that center that I felt that I had within myself. But I was searching the ultimate contradiction. I was searching fashion. I was searching something which is very much on the outside. It's very materialistic. It's very much, um, uh, in, in some ways, it's a very um, superficial way to adorn ourselves and dress ourselves in this image and identity that we put out in the world. So although I was absolutely following my dream for many, many, many years, um, I also had this little hidden side of myself in my little black books that continued to express itself through poetry where I was a living contradiction of this superficiality that I was emerging myself in. And yet the full understanding that I, I did have a true inner core that one day I was um, hoping to return to. Very fascinating. Well, see, I want to ask you, in all of your years of searching and discovery, why are you here? Why are we here right now in this moment? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a question that really can't be answered, but I can infer that we're here at a very critical moment in the planet's life and in the life of humanity. And we're, we're, we could be 
you know, the last generations on this planet, you know, considering what our leaders are doing and, and how we're really kind of despoiling the earth itself. You know, just reading the other day how the, the oceans are becoming now infused with these microplastics that are raining down to the bottom. And, you know, the, the, the animals in that ocean are, are eating all that and, and they're, they're dying as a result. So I think it's part of our job here right now is to bring consciousness into, into, the, into this space and to protect the earth somehow I don't know how we could do it individually, but collectively we can get get together and speak more like like your shows and and what Rachel and I are doing. I think this is one of the reasons why we're here. I also think being in this human form brings up a lot for every evolving spirit, and we and it's a gift to be here. and And being alive as a human being allows us to receive teachings, unlike a lot of other sentient beings who are just as sentient as we are, but they don't have the gift of getting teachings. And this is an amazing uh, opportunity for us to evolve personally, but also at the same time become warriors for the, the planet itself. Fascinating. Rachel, I know your website is called enteringthemind.com. How do you enter the mind? Um, that's a very good question. Um, I... I am thoroughly committed to the practice of Dzogchen. And um, this, uh, I have done my exploration of different techniques. And I must say that all techniques of meditation are completely and utterly valid. I think each individual will find their own um, method or of practice that will speak to them individually. Um, I feel extremely aligned with Dzogchen, um, not only because it is... Um, it, it's steeped in a conceptual understanding of what our minds actually are, and yet it is a teaching of, of experiential practice. So um, the, the great masters of Dzogchen, they um, train for many, many years from being small boys in, in monks and small girls in nunneries, and they are trained with myriad forms of practices that brings mindfulness into every single aspect of their living day and sleeping day and ultimately onto their passing through into the next realms and um and i find that though they are they're extremely scholastic they are taught thousands thousands of ancient texts and and they're very eloquent in the way that they teach so chen so it's extremely beautiful someone who does come from an artistic and intellectual background um, I really relate to the concepts and the way that Dzogchen is explained to the practitioner. And yet, when you are in that moment and you are actually sitting in your moment of uh, meditation, you actually, although you're imbuing all of that conceptual knowledge, in that moment, you let it go. And in that moment, you 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 no longer rely on your conceptual mind. Your conceptual mind might be the vehicle to get you there, but in that beautiful moment where you actually let go of the conceptual mind and the non-conceptual mind reveals itself, this is this beautiful moment where I truly believe we enter the mind. Rachel, I really like what you said about meditation and the conceptual mind. It's very, very interesting. And uh, see, I want to ask you, so many questions have been answered for you in your life through Dzogchen. What is the one question 
that has not yet been answered? Uh, well, I'm, I'm curious these days about UFOs, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, uh, this whole C5 contact, like you can initiate contact with these higher level beings out there that fascinates me, but on a, on a spiritual plane, I really do feel confident that we are timeless beings, ageless beings, and part of a greater family of sentient beings that extends throughout the universe and beyond. Um, and I'm, I sitting, you know, based on the Dzogchen teachings, I've been able to sit and practice and recognize that my body is just a throwaway, really, in the end. Um, I, I adore my body. I really respect it. And I'm grateful. And I take care of it because it is the, it is what's allowing me to be here right now with my beautiful wife and my dogs and my children and these teachings. But I also realize that my awareness is going to move forward very cleanly without the body and um that's very comforting and 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 so i i just know that i just need to continue to evolve and continue to inhabit more more and more of my non-conceptual being that 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 awareness being that is that is unbound by anybody and meantime i'm very much here i'm very much here in this realm and and have to deal with all of the the conflicts that come arise with this body See, you've mentioned your dogs a number of times, and I think that's that's fascinating. Tell me what they mean to you. Tell me how connected you are to them. Well, they they're 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 just like continually staring at us, you know, <laughs> like like Dad, when are we going to go out for a walk? And I'm you know like pushing us back into the kitchen so they can get fed, and you know, so you know, if there's anything that brings up slight bits of anxiety in me these days, it's them, you know, like they, you know, like are just always there and you know they they might run out into the land because we're out here in the desert and i worry about them getting bit by a rattlesnake or a bobcat or our dog just got you know attacked by a coyote the other day and you know so these she's okay she's fine uh, but these are like little concerns that come up you know so they 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 inhabit a lot of the brain space um and they, you know, we're, we're always moving around. So they're always jumping in the car with us and driving with us. And so, you know, they're very much a part of our lives. So they become your practice. <laughs> they're part of the practice. Yeah. <laughs> I love dogs too. I absolutely do. Rachel, I have worked in the field of bullying prevention for a long time. So we always talk about this on the show. Do you have a story you can share with us about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? And this could have been uh, something to do with your own self-bullying, or it could be to do with, you know, an actual story when you were young or, or whatever. Do you have something you can share with us? I do actually, and um, I'm I'm very grateful you asked that question because I don't think anyone's asked me that in many many years. Um, so um, it's a personal story. Um, I was brought up uh, by my parents in the countryside of Cambridge, and my brother and I were both expected to go to private schools. Well, my brother's older than me, and he did. He went to the private school, which is actually a castle. So my brother went to school in a castle. But at the young, bright age of 11, I wanted to go my own way. And I asked my parents if I could go to the state school, because not only did I not want to walk in the footsteps of my brother, but I wanted my own space and I wanted my own independence. So they also had a great art faculty as well that I really wanted to get into. And um, so my parents said yes. 
So at the age of 11, I went to um, the public school or state school and um, and I spoke differently from others. I had a rather nice accent and a lot of the my colleagues at school, my fellow students, they didn't, you know, they were, they had some really cool accents actually, which I thought- Give, give, them, give them a little taste. <laughs> well, it involves a lot of um, rude words. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it without including those words in, so I don't want to mess up. Right. Um, but um, so I, ex I experienced bullying in firsthand and um, I, uh, it started very subtle and um, I, I made friends. I had this um, really lovely close uh, girlfriend and we used to walk around together. And, you know, these long corridors that go on forever and gangs of girls would be in wait, you know. And of course, as you walk through this corridor of girls waiting for you, you know something's going to happen. You just don't know what's going to happen. And you just like brace yourself and you walk through that corridor, girls. And then before long, someone slips their foot out and you're flying on your belly down the corridor. So um, I did actually have um, um, one other incident, which was um, where I, I was actually pinned up against a locker and then she lost her temper and she did actually punch me in the face. Mm -hmm. um, and this moment, um, it, it wasn't so much her actions towards me, but it was the little crowd of other children behind her as she punched me in the face that cackled with laughter. Mm -hmm. And this was this lasting impression that I had for a long time. And so, um, you know, one person's act of bullying um, can be one thing, but the humiliation, the shame that I felt from the others witnessing it and then laughing at it and contributing to this sort of hysterical moment of, of bullying. So um, now I, I think at the time, I think maybe I just fell to the floor. I actually don't really, really remember the details. Now um, I was maybe 12 years old. So mindfulness, mindfulness in that moment, I'm not sure perhaps how that could have helped me but I do know that if I had have understood mindfulness, there might have been something that I could have offered in that moment to perhaps instigate mindfulness in the girl who decided to attack me. Um, you know, there was a very short dialogue between us and I'm sure that my dialogue was, oh, I don't know what you're talking about or, um, what are you saying, you know, and so this got her more angry, you know, but of course, that was a very innocent result, uh, response. But I wonder, um, I wonder, I think what I am very sure of, though, is if mindfulness becomes a part of the school curriculum, then yes, I do believe that not only she, but I would have been much more aware in that moment. And I think that mindfulness taught at school in whatever form of mindfulness the school may wish to um, to align themselves with, because there's many different forms. But I believe that is an essential part of schooling. And I believe um, some schools I do know they do introduce meditation techniques to school and other courses that may enhance that. But I think it's almost fundamental even just to um, bring out the altruistic character and, and traits that I think we all have within us. Yeah, I also, agree. Go ahead, C. I think that uh, mindfulness has this amazing ability to cut through fear in the moment. So if you're present and mindful, it really does move fear out of the way. And that's what predators or bullies are, are really feeding on in the moment. 
And then simultaneously, mindfulness is like a shield of sorts. It really does mm -hmm. raise something up in between the two characters in that moment where the person who's on the attack um, is conscious of this mindfulness and it shines light on their in our mis their misbehavior it's it's actually a big direct light right on what they're doing and i think they they probably would recognize in themselves that this is not the correct mode of action even though even though they intellectually might think i have to follow through and punch this guy down or this girl down but i think being mindful brings a lot to the table mm -hmm. but i don't think you can get mindful if you're in a state of fear all the time, I think you have to now sit down when you're not in that state of fear and begin to practice meditation, whatever that meditation is. Mm -hmm. And what I love about, for instance, David Lynch, uh, he's, his foundation is bringing uh, uh, meditation to the schoolroom. Mm -hmm. So a lot, LA Unified School District is, has this whole curriculum now on transcendental meditation. And these students, and I, I grew up in this, this school system. I know it. it's a, it's a, it's an intense school system. And they're sitting in the classroom meditating 20 minutes a day. And I think this is going to be a huge thing for a lot, especially kids who are getting bullied. I agree. Absolutely. And I have the opportunity to be in schools frequently. And I'm just so grateful I'm able to bring in elements of mindfulness every time I go in and teach students about what this means. A lot of that teaching is modeling it. You know, yes. and I just think it's incredibly important. Now, I want to talk about your publication. I know that your website is enteringthemind.com, but you also have uh, you also have riotmaterial.com. What is the message that you ultimately want to deliver in this in this uh, publication? See, I'll, I'll have you uh, go ahead and answer that first, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Well. Um we're Rachel and I are artists and I love art and I was I was an art critic for many years and sometimes I'll, I'll dive back in if I see a show that I absolutely love I'll, I'll write about it um, and what I what I love about good art criticism is it really makes you think it, it art criticism in itself is a is a literary form and so I wanted the magazine to be um, a literary magazine a writer's magazine first so that the writers contributing to the magazine are excellent writers who can express themselves through thought and word on the highest level. So for me, that was that was really the driving purpose of the magazine. And then art was the, the point of focus. And it became art in books and art in film, and it became uh, philosophy. And now we're moving it more towards the mindfulness and, and meditation because that I think is really becoming the, uh, the primary motive of our lives. And so the magazine will ultimately reflect that. It's reflected our lives up until this point and we're now kind of officially moving into this whole mindful mode mm -hmm. uh, now that we've published the book. And um, so that's what the magazine is for me. Right, and the book is called as well, Entering the Mind, am I right? The book is called Entering the Mind, and it's basically a direct introduction into the Dzogchen teachings and how you can enter your mind, recognize that natural state that we've been speaking to, and how to rest there and observe it and let the wisdom of your mind become your best teacher. Mm -hmm. Right. And Rachel, tell us a little bit more about what the publication means to you. And it, is this an online publication only, or you know, tell us a little bit more about it. 
Yes, it is online. And um, we actually, two years ago, just before the pandemic, we did actually release our first printed edition, um, which was beautiful. And we organized um, a wonderful art gallery exhibition to invite all of our um, biggest fans. And we had a had a wonderful evening. And then um, we realized that wasn't quite sustainable to, to continue doing um, perhaps a quarterly magazine as the pandemic hit. Um, so we we just took a pause on that. But it's, um, it's continued to be very prolific um, online and um, we um, you know for both Chris and I um, we believe that art is one of the last frontiers um, it's 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 where society really really pushes beyond the boundaries of of the limitations of our society and I think um, you know we've had many conversations about how um, an artist and a practitioner of mindfulness they're they're hand-in-hand hand warriors of our society their their dream and their motivation is to elevate and enrich the lives of their fellow um, fellow men and women in their community, because there's nothing like uncensored art to enter the terrains of that beautiful divine transmission to the, 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 the expression of the individual artist. It's very similar to that divine transmission that we experience in a state of meditation. And quite often, um, the, the process of meditation becomes a creative one and the process of creativity becomes a meditative one. And I think we see this fellowship and this companionship between art and meditation and how they lead us in different ways to embrace um, not only mindfulness, but how mindfulness manifests in our everyday creative lives. Yes, very interesting. As as we move toward the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So, see, I want to know what is the name of one person or one influence that you've had that has helped with your mindfulness practice? Um, Norbu Rinpoche, Tenzin, uh, Wangyo Rinpoche, I was very close with. Um, we love these days Sonia Rinpoche and Mingyu Rinpoche. Uh, for so for for mindfulness practice, these are the guys who we go to for our our highest teachings, and they're still out there today uh, teaching. Um, but my own life experiences contributed heavily to where I am today in terms of my practice. Um, so. It's a combination of getting good teachings, but also living a life that challenges you and, and that you remain aware of what's troubling you so you can bring it into your practice and continue to evolve. Sure. Rachel, I'd like to know how your emotions have been affected by the work you've done with mindfulness. How are you able to deal differently with your emotions? That is a really good question. Mm. And I have found um, in particular during the last two years where we have really emerged ourselves into this practice during the pandemic where we were able to um, spend a lot of the time out in the desert where we are now and and really put, as Chris said, mindfulness at the, at the, at the summit of our daily experience. Um, my emotions have, um, 
have transformed completely. And um, I'm a I'm a very passionate person, and I I I spent like I said uh, I spent many years in Italy, so I learned from the best yes. <laughs> how to be emotional and expressive, and and so I do have that 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 to my core to my soul, and um, <laughs> and um, I I feel that my my emotions continue to arise. My emotions, I, I get ecstatically happy. I get very emotionally sad when things, you know, when I hear news and I hear things, but I have an incredibly new relationship with them and they arise, they present themselves to them. It's almost like an old friend, you know, waving at me saying, hey, Rachel, I'm back again. This is happy. This is me. This is happy. And, and I wave back and I say, hey, welcome. Um, but but what happens in that moment is that I'm still within that ecstatic happiness. I'm also calm in the center of that ecstatic happiness. And again, when I feel really, really sad, if I hear some sad news, I get I get I sense the deep sorrow within me. But it's still it's within a calmed container. And so I've learned that um, um without even trying too hard, and this is the practice that has definitely installed itself within me, I've become less much reactive. I don't react instantly to those emotions. And on the rare occasion, because we're not perfect, on the rare occasion when I do react instantly without a thought, then I recognize it immediately and I go, oops, okay, I see you. I see where you're coming from. It's okay. Let's just sit down. Let's just take a moment. Let's Let's hold hands. Let's see where we're going with this. And um, so it's it's really bringing mindfulness to my emotions has just been, I think, one of the biggest transformational experiences I have had in the last few years. This is really insightful, Rachel. Thank you for that. See, I want to ask you about breathing and about your breathing practice. And if you would comment on the value of having a breathing practice. Yeah, that's a great question because up until a few years ago, I really kind of poo-pooed the whole breathing practice. I didn't put much uh, stock in it. I would, you know, I've, I've always been intellectual and I love the intellectual approach to meditation. But over the past year or two, I've just come to recognize the utter importance of the breath. And in fact, that the breath is the one thing that transitions between the body and the mind, the body and the spirit, the body and awareness. You can be sitting in, you could just be sitting right down to meditation practice and still be fully involved in your day and in your world and you have your breath. And then as you settle and you go move and move more into your awareness being, the breath is still there. And in fact, the breath is the beautiful bridge between the two beings. And I, I, I'm now just absolutely certain that the breath is one of the keys to move from one perspective into the next. It, it's like, it's like the, the rope that you pull through in the darkness to get you to the other side if you need it. Yeah, fascinating. And uh, I want to ask about um, a book. Rachel, is there a book that you would recommend that could help people to be more grounded, more centered, more mindful? Yes, um, obviously, there are many great books out there. And, and um, you know, people have um, different inclinations as to what sort of a teacher they're looking for. But um, 
Um, there is one book that was really resonated with me, and it's by one of the great Tibetan masters called Sonny Rinpoche, who specializes in Dzogchen. And it's, I believe, his first book, um, and it's um, scribed from many, many of his sanghas with his students. So it's really, you really feel like you are absorbing his words directly. And it's called Fearless Simplicity. Fearless simplicity and we will put that into the show notes at mindfulnessmode.com mindful tribe fearless simplicity check it out and see i want to ask you if there are any apps that could help and when i say apps i don't mean specifically it has to be an app on a phone maybe it's an app in a different form but are there any apps that come to mind that could help someone to be more mindful and more grounded yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not much of a phone guy or into the apps, but I know that Rachel um, has uh, gravitated towards this one app called Commune or One Commune, and they seem to have all kinds of amazing things. Uh, well, we've listened to a number of teachers on One Commune. Is it One Commune? Yes, OneCommune.com. And uh, they have a great app and truly amazing teachers, really like uh, the best of the best right now in terms of yoga, nutrition, mindfulness, um, addiction, all there's, there's a lot going on there that I think they, that uh, that's just a good go-to first stop app, I would say. Great suggestion. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Entering the mind dot com is where you need to go mindful tribe to learn more and it's been such a fascinating discussion with both of you chris i have one last question and i said chris yeah. because i noticed that Thank that you. rachel yeah. said that a couple of times but i i noticed that you go by c von hassett so yeah. why is that instead of chris von hassett why do you go by c von hassett well, it, 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 it was Christopher at one time, and then everybody started calling me Chris. And then up for a couple of years now, people have been calling me C, you know, my, you know, in the local gang of friends, you know, it's like, C, come on over here, you know, and, and basically I have no attachment at all to my name. So I just thought, well, if for, for efficient reasons, you know, let's just, just go with C Vaughn. It sounds, it rings nicely. And I started using that in the magazine um, and it's kind of stuck. So it was, it was kind of an organic thing that took place. I see. I, I was just curious about that. Final words, final words of wisdom, final words of advice for our Mindful Tribe listeners. Rachel, what would you say to someone who is feeling frustrated, feeling anxiety, feeling as though they want to be grounded, but they're not? What are your thoughts? Mm, that's a good question. I would suggest that there really is nothing like meditation for um, relieving stress and anxiety. But I would like to say that there are many different types of meditation out there. So if you are new to the world of meditation, I suggest take your time, don't rush, do some research and find different techniques that you feel could resonate with you. And once you try something and it feels good, stick with it. That's okay. There is no right or wrong way to meditate. But in doing so, remember that it's like any other training that we may go through in our lives. If you were to start a yoga class for the first time in your life, you would not walk up to that mat and stand on your head. 
<laughs> you wouldn't do that to yourself. No. So likewise with meditation, it takes training and it just takes patience and it just takes day by day by day and a little bit by little bit over a period of time, you will become trained in meditation. So be kind to yourself, be easy on yourself, give it a chance. Of course, if it's not feeling right, try something else. But I really, truly believe that meditation is the answer to much of the anxiety that we uh, uh, experience in this lifetime. I do too. I totally, totally agree with you 100%. See, Vaughn, final words of wisdom? Well, I've enjoyed this last hour with you. And I think if people are looking to reduce their anxiety, they got to tune into you. <laughs> your, your presence and your voice and your questions are amazing. I think you are a, a, a gem. And uh, so I would point them right to you. Thank you so much to both of you yeah. for being on the show. All the best to you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much. Thank, Thank you so much. You. My Thank pleasure. You. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, so good to have you join me today. Thanks for joining. And I just want to mention my TikTok channel. So I mentioned it on my last episode as well. And hey, you know, you could reach out to me on TikTok. Just type in Bruce Langford and you'll find me. So let's connect on TikTok and let me know what you think about my mindfulness moments that I'm recording on TikTok. Hey, it is an honor to be on this podcast and to be able to connect with you on a regular basis. Thanks for being here. And just take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode. <laughs>